When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. Oof, what a week. With lots of wildcards brandished and divergence in captaincies, it was always going to be one that wound up tumultuous. But after a poor week last week, it looks like fortune favours the steady. As a strangely anemic Sadio Mane was blown away by the Salah Stormer, I miraculously was not on the wrong side of for once. Elsewhere, a pookie party was not pooped by Callum Wilson, as the wrong Wilson and Harry got the goal. Callum still got five points per game, though. Whilst the Kane captaincy ship failed to sail, and the late Jimenez penalty meant a sucker punch for Pope owners. Anyway, to pick over the carcass of the game we've just gone, I'm joined today, of course, by Nick. All right, Nick, you all right? How are you? I'm, I'm all right, thank you. Another hectic um, game week. I think I'll have a pint of wine after that one. Uh, just to say, of course, who we are, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL at WTTA underscore Nick. You can follow us there. Obviously, you can listen to us on SoundCloud or Spotify or iTunes. Stitcher, wherever you'd like so make sure to subscribe and give us a review so tom what are we talking about today uh, well nick uh, just one more week to go i think before we can start delving into the data properly we've actually got adam hopcroft on next week to talk tentative trends and i'll be upfront about it this week is really about following on from last week and the import of patience and holding your nerve of course, this means we'll cover some chat on uh, specific concepts like Big at the Back and players like Robertson and Salah uh, to give our view on what's occurring with those. Then, of course, the features, including a stunning comeback for the over 30s and uh, the community questions, plus a little bit of dad watch. We'll see where he's gone this week. Uh, I, I get the feeling it's the other way from uh, how we started the season. Let's start with the gaming reviews. Um, how do you do, Tom? Yeah, I didn't do too badly, actually. Um, I got 63 minus four, uh, so not, not a bad game week, really, overall. Timmy Puki came in for me um, over Callum Wilson. I was really, really glad. Thanks specifically to Alex Ball, who I spoke to on Sunday night last week, and he was just like, oh, I think it's probably worth getting Puki over Mane, mate, to get that money to finance KDB. So thanks, Alex. I did make the obvious move this week, um, and Puki obviously returned. I got an invite to the party, which I was very happy with. Um, Kevin De Bruyne elsewhere fluffed his uh, shot into Cunaguero's feet, so he got an assist for that. Ross Sterling got me the goal. Chabayos didn't really do anything uh, who was the third transfer in. But yeah, I mean, you know, the likes of TAA got me an assist, although big at the back. Ooh, don't know, Nick. And, and Mo Salah, who I kept hold of, um, got me 15 points, um, which was very, very good. So really, it was all about Pookie, Sterling and uh, Salah um, coming home to give me that 63. It looks like a bit of a healthy green arrow. It looks like, um, yeah, not, not too bad at all. Um, but my team this week is a bit rickety, to say the least. What about you? So yeah, it's pretty uh, similarly to you as well, actually, Tom. I took the minus four, uh, but got 61. So you've beaten me by two points this game week. Uh, but yeah, um, Mo Salah obviously delivering the points of the 15-point return. Pretty um, important towards having a good game week. Uh, KDB got an assist. Martial, one of my transfers in, got the assist. And Sterling um, got the goal. But yeah, the, I mean, sort of bringing in... Mr. Pookie party. I hope it's not going to be like the Vardy party where I missed it all season. So we'll talk, talk about that in a little bit in regards to Timmy Pookie and what I do about him. But um, his teammates, Todd Cantle, um, your brother, uh, did pretty well, didn't he? Anyway, he got me a goal with seven points. So covered it a little bit. 
Uh, yeah, and, and the defence, as you said, big at the back, didn't work this game week. Um, not many teams kept clean sheets at all, did they? So, uh, not a great week for my defence. Um, TAA picking up an assist, just adding a little bit to the tally. Cool. All right. Yeah, it's not too bad, really. It looks like that Denders, Dean Henderson clean sheet is basically what's separating us at the moment in terms of scores. We've uh, tracked each other fairly closely, haven't we? Um, I guess Nick Pope conceding in the last minute to that Jimenez uh, contentious penalty is basically what the difference is between us at the moment. But yeah, I don't think we're doing too badly to start with, at least. I'm guessing the, the divergence will begin uh, fairly soon, but uh, not, not for the moment. And uh, speaking of that, uh, let's go to this week's kind of main topic, which is to basically hold your nerve. And a big part of that is, has Big at the back failed? A very, very good question. Uh, Dan, uh, FPL Chancellor, um, as he s- seems to do recently, uh, kind of asked the key question, which uh, got us thinking this week, which is, I'm noticing a few serious jitters about Big at the back. How do we both feel about premium defenders after game week three? A few other people, of course, asked this. Uh, Kerry Dovey, Blonde Duration, Arnish and Deepak. Um, all of these guys sort of said, well, the lack of clean sheets and the third striker seemingly being revived has really made people kind of panic a little bit about that. Just to start with, one big proponent of all of this, alongside us, this big of the back idea, is our very good friend, Neil Murray, who you may remember was on the Unwritten Rules podcast, and uh, he's also authored about a billion insightful threads on Twitter. Unfortunately, you couldn't quite get the logistics right for him to come on the pod tonight, uh, but he has prepared a statement on this, which, in his absence, he's given me permission to read in his idiom, with apologies to him. The underlying stats still point to it being a good strategy. City's XGC is ridiculously low. TAA and Deans both have attacking returns. And Robertson's attacking threat has been unreal. However, the biggest threat to it is not necessarily the performance of the defenders, but rather there's 5.5 to 6.5 million midfielders. I felt defence held better options in that bracket. But with the emergence of McGinn, Mount and Wilson, we could definitely see that challenged. I'll be keeping faith for a few weeks yet, though, and hope that the underlying stats starts turning into points. Somewhere between my own Tambra and Patrick Stewart, I think. But um, with apologies to Neil, but hopefully that kind of makes sense that... He's basically saying that, well, the underlying stats are still there for Big at the Back. The case is still there for Big at the Back. He says himself, I'm at 200k. So to be honest, even though Big at the Back isn't working, do we even know what is working at the moment? And maybe that's a good point to start, Nick. Like, what's your view on it at the moment? Are you panicking about your Big at the Back kind of strategy, looking at selling TA on Robbo? <laughs> uh, no, it's, I'm still getting over your impression at the moment. <laughs> well done there. I think you, you could um, strike a new career there in doing impressions of um, FPL pundits. I can't wait to see your, your scout casting impressions Tom maybe maybe for another time <laughs> but yeah going back on to the um, the topic at hand which is obviously big at the back um, I mean obviously yes I mean it's not been a, a great start for us big at the back advocates and I, I put myself in that same bracket as Neil as someone who's talked a lot about uh, big at the back but we've also said as well that it's, it's very early um, at the moment to look at the data points we've only had three game weeks you know it's very early at this moment in time Obviously, from the last couple of seasons, when I've done my value player value analysis, you know some of these defenders from Liverpool, Manchester City, and Spurs, some of these other big clubs have proved to be so much better value than some of their midfield and forwards counterparts at that same price. You know the old sort of Andre Gray, Troy Deeney versus Robertson sort of comparisons that we've done in the past. And uh, so far, actually, I mean, previously we talked about death of the third striker. That was a massive theme last year, and it was and it was a correct theme, to be honest. I think the, um, the third striker was a dead role um, last season. However, there has been a lot of change over the summer in terms of that third striker. We've seen um, significant investment, actually, from quite a few um, Premier League clubs to sort of buy some strikers in. Um, to replace the likes of Mitrovic and Mounier that uh, left, obviously, from the striker bracket from last season. So we've had Haller, Mopay, 
um, Joel Linton and Wesley all signed by clubs who did well. We've had Timmy Pukki, of course, come up. Um, we've promoted Norwich. We've even seen the likes of Tammy Abraham, a seven million striker for Chelsea, scoring a brace. So perhaps the forward line has to be considered again. You know, perhaps you know the third saying the third striker is dead this season is incorrect. And that whilst that might have been a trend from last season, we we do need to perhaps consider a formation shift. But as I said, also it's very very early. It's, it's unusual starts for some of these club seasons: Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool. None of them have had clean sheets so far. Manchester City has had only one. And, and the matches have been very quiet as well. So very few clean sheets this week. Last week, it was just Everton and Sheffield United. But looking at my team, I'm, I'm quietly confident about next game week. I'm looking at my team. I'm seeing four at the back. I've got Luca Dean playing Wolves. I've got TA and Robertson both playing Burnley. I've got Zinchenko playing Brighton. You know, that looks like, um, you know... <laughs> I like to say that there's some clean sheets in there and uh, things will change again. So, as I said, very early to say um, that big at the back is dead. You know, big at the back is, is an incorrect theory. It's, it's very early to say that. We'll, we'll see what happens for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And a very, very good kind of reason behind that is one stat that I picked out earlier on, which is that John Dunstram has an XGI of 1.57 at the moment. That's higher than the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, Anthony Martial, Harry Kane and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. That tells you all you need to know, really, about the sample size. It's just too small, really, to make big-picture judgments at the risk of sounding like myself last week. On the specifics of the big at the back, like Reducto adds absurdum. They're not not going to return points, right? Like they are going to start returning points soon. You just need the luck on the day, I suppose. Like The analysis that we did obviously looked over a tranche of 38 game weeks. And, of course, Robertson currently has uh, zero points above appearance. But there are a lot of curveballs which have impacted things, right? Like... Alisson getting injured, you can't really legislate for that. Adran being a dope, you can't really legislate for that either. At the moment, I, I'm the same as you. I have Dean, I have TAA, I have Robertson. Uh, I'm not really going to be looking at taking them down, especially, you know, Liverpool have got Burnley and Newcastle coming up next. Um, I think both of those are like decent kind of clean sheet opportunities. And in the midterm, I suppose, I, I can't claim that I'm not looking at Robertson and thinking, oh, you know, if I take him down to a 5.5, and maybe I'll free up some money. But I'm not sure we can rubbish the whole idea yet, can we? Like, because at the end of the day, once these guys start returning, we said last week, like we weren't very far away from quite a decent week. It was just a one Adrian moment of madness. This week, I think Liverpool was a foot off the gas against us to some extent. And I was actually a bit annoyed with Arsenal for scoring. So I was like, well, at least lose and give me a clean sheet. Come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think it's a little bit early to uh, still to be doing it. But you know, I'm aware that a lot of people do have actually wildcarded. And I, I guess to them it's kind of sort of the same message so we should hold your nerve to people who um currently have the kind of the setup from game week one haven't changed that too much wild cards i think it's probably the same like uh, fpl tim said the other day that he'd basically make the same wild card again no matter what and that's a good thing like a lot of people did what you felt was best which at the end of the day is what fpl is about taking responsibility for and managing your own side like i guess the hope is that post wildcard you have instant success which raises expectation through the roof like I genuinely saw teams like Alex Ball's amazing side I mentioned them earlier but I thought we're bang on for 100 plus and I guess what wildcarders need to remember is that you made your decision hopefully with long-term benefit of mind so while an uplift straight away is what you want you haven't quite got that you'd hope to see your course correction which is what a wildcard is will elicit kind of positive outcomes in the next few weeks and the message sort of remains the same doesn't it Nick like holding your nerve is really important and I guess uh, to move on to the kind of the next point that Salah and Mane and obviously we speak about Salah a lot on this pod don't we but and that was a key example of how maybe holding on to holding on to a player was probably a good idea especially this early in the season yeah I think uh 
we, we do talk about Sarah a lot and um, with the risk of sort of repeating myself again. I mean, obviously in the market forces, we, we refer to the fact that he was the most transferred out player at that particular moment in time. And I think he ended up with over 350,000 transfers out over the, the course of the game week. And as we said, it was like, it's only two data points. And, and the first data point, he picked up a goal and an assist. So, so why, why were people selling? And also, as I highlighted, he's actually had a pretty decent record against Arsenal in the past. I captained him against Arsenal last season when he did well. Probably should have captained him uh, this game week, of course. So, you know, chickened out and sort of followed the herd towards Sterling. But, um, you know, Salah obviously punished the sellers. And, and especially those sort of sideways moves between sort of Salah and Mane. I know people love to see him for, actually, I can save a million here, I can upgrade a forward, I can upgrade a midfielder with that extra cash. But sort of those sideways moves are always very dangerous because as we know from the red roulette, like we never know which one of those guys is, is going to score each game week. It could be Salah one week getting a brace. It could be Mane the next. Then it could be Bobby Firmino turning up with a golden assist and all of a sudden we'll be considering him as well. Um, so it, it's very risky to kind of, you know, flip between the two Liverpool assets depending on who does well um, in the in the game week? Um, I saw the FPL doodle also did a drawing say, "Will Salah punish the sellers?" And he, he definitely did, didn't he? So uh, I think obviously that was a big risk. So people who who were sold him and then sort of did a sideways move. But next game week again, it might be Mane's turn. Just there's no point taking too many hits and you know moving between the two players just to follow the points. That's definitely the advice that we would give. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not an implicit criticism of wildcarders because if you did that to, I don't know, afford a KDB over a Fraser or something like that, then that definitely does make sense. I can see why you've done it. It's just worth raising that point and providing the counterpoint, I suppose. And uh, other stuff like we'll go over at the market forces, but you know, Martial and Rashford are both falling now. Obviously, Martial um, got a uh, has a flag. Uh, Rashford missed a penalty, and that penalty was as close as you can possibly get to scoring a penalty without scoring. Like I think it was like literally millimeters that he had to hit that just inside the post for that to be a goal. Like what never ceases to amaze me is that perception is such a fickle thing. Like I'm never surprised at this time of the season, as we spoke about last week, um, by how things go. But basically, things go like this. X has scored. Now I must buy this guy. Y has scored. Oh, I must buy this guy too. But it's often so psychological. Like it's all the big name players and the players that got a buzz around. And there's so many unsung heroes that happen all around. Like I've made this joke a lot, but you know, Ruben Neves, Joe Linton, Nathan Redmond, are they bye, bye, bye? They've scored. Are we falling over ourselves to sign Southampton, Villa and Newcastle defenders now? No, of course not. Again, I think it is about kind of, you know, holding your nerve on this. Like, there's undoubtedly luck and random chance involved, like sliding doors moments, like your player sticking out a foot at the right second or a defender missing an interception. Or, like in the City game, KDB played Ras through in like the 87th minute, wrongly offside, livid. And that sort of thing does kind of happen a lot. Yeah, I think I think the Rashford one's a particularly um, salient point that you've made there, Tom, because he is um, he's second most transferred out player at this moment. But if, if he got that goal, he'd probably be in the top five most transferred in players. Because you know, looking at you know United's fixtures, they've got Southampton away next. Surely that's that's a great fixture for Rashford, you know, um, to perform in. And uh, we'd be talking about a guy that was, would be on three goals and one assist from three games and saying this is potentially going to be Rashford's season for 20-plus goals, etc., etc. Now he's missed a penalty. All of a sudden, he only got zero points, of course, off the back of that. All of a sudden, he's being heavily sold. No one's interested in him at all. It's like, well, I, don't, I don't really understand what that's, what that's all about, to be honest. It seems very sort of uh, reactionary and, and, and a little bit unnecessary as well. 
Yeah, definitely. And a good question just to segue on is from Daryl B, who asked, after many have just wildcarded or many wildcarded, how important is it to hold the trance going into the international break? Or should we jump on bandwagons be fancy ASAP? So unsurprisingly, and this is all linked to my idea of overmanagement that we spoke about this year in the summer, uh, but for the uninitiated overmanagement as a concept I've coined, which is basically the evil cousin of overthinking. But overthinking will always happen, whether you like it or not. If you listen to this pod, you're more than likely a highly engaged, or you become a highly engaged manager, conversed by the likes of us, who devotes a large share of thought to your side in FPL and what happens. That's always going to happen. But overthinking is a bit different. It's the act rather than the thought of doing something with your team, be it taking a minus eight to remove Salah, as I did before his former Patrick last year or using a free transfer to buy the likes of Kolasinac. In this sort of scenario, overmanagement comes into play for me this week because I've got, for example, Carl Walker-Peters who went off luckily after six minutes for Spurs, also got Dion Donka who didn't start and also got Balbuena uh, who's been dropped for West Ham. Like, I can make a free transfer or take a hit to remove any one of those players. But I think to myself, is that overmanagement? Like, is it better for me to have the two free transfers? Probably. It's all into opportunity cost. What I mean by that is that using a free transfer now means I miss out on two free transfers next week and the time to observe international break and all that information. And I just don't think it's worth moving on the likes of, you know, Donk or Balbuena or KWP. Like, that's not worth the value that information is going to give me. So this week, I'm probably going to hope that, you know, someone like Greenwood, if Martial's injured, uh, Donk or Balbuena actually plays. I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Do you think it's worth anybody making a move this week? I mean, you're looking at Pookie, aren't you? Yeah, I think it's all circumstantial a little bit. It depends on how well you're doing, what your team's set up. And obviously, if you're just wildcarded, you like to think that you set your team up for at least three to four game weeks. So you would be looking to potentially roll that. And of course, I know a few people who haven't had fantastic wildcards, so perhaps will be a little bit more concerned um, looking at their teams, um, especially if they invested in Spurs, who did terribly, unfortunately, today. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of perhaps um, concern there. Obviously, with Spurs playing Arsenal next as well, that there might be shifts and people selling Harry Kane and stuff. But it is a little bit of a risk. Obviously, I think you'd, you'd like to roll your transfer if you can. And the two free transfers over the international break is obviously a fantastic thing to have because it gives you a lot of freedom with your moves. But, um, if you, you know, my particular circumstances is that I'm not in this pookie party right now and <laughs> it does concern me we talk about like bandwagons and pookie has been the ultimate bandwagon this um, start of the season and he started off absolutely fantastically and um, and looks like he could be you know the next Jamie Vardy in terms of just like scoring week in week out constantly and uh, just being an absolute revelation in, in the Premier League this season so a little bit concerning, obviously, especially with that fixture against West Ham. And I've also got Josh King, who's like an easy sell. So I've been a happy get rid of Josh King. I'm not interested in holding him anymore. But the problem is I can't do the straight swap. So I'd have to do a minus four, which would mean I'd probably have to downgrade Robbo to Van Dyke, perhaps, which is um, not ideal, really. I mean, I'm, I'm less fussed about the Robbo to Van Dyke move, really. But it's just taking the hits a bit frustrating. Also, I know that... Well, they've got West Ham as a good fixture, but I've also got Campbell, so he might be able to cover again. And then after that, they've got Manchester City. So should I be able, can I get away without having Pookie? It's, it's a bit of a risk, obviously. But that's, uh, that's my personal circumstance anyway. So I think um, a lot of it does come down to what's going on in your own team, you know, as to whether you want to roll the transfers. Tom said, you know, you can overmanage your team. It is sometimes best to, to look at your, your team and you know you might have a few dodgy assets in there like so KWP as Tom mentioned he owns um, that perhaps you would want to get rid of if you could but sometimes it is better just to think actually you know he's just one member of a sum of parts and if the rest of the team looks in good shape then uh, don't mess with it too much. 
Yeah, that, that's it, I think. Like, I think that, that's definitely the nub of it. Like, I think a lot of the time you do look at your team and think, oh, God, you know, who's the weakest link? Who's the guy I really want to remove this week when you've only got the one free? And you do have a tendency to zero in. It's a human thing to zero in on the negative and try to fix that. The fact is that both of our teams, I'm sure a lot of your teams as well, have nine, 10, maybe even 11 good, strong guys who are good FBO assets who are likely to perform. That's why you pick them. And it's probably just a case of thinking, well, is it really worth using that transfer like at the opportunity cost of, of losing out on having those two free transfers for the international break when there's an inevitable injury crisis or something like that? Like Sometimes it's when you do see that that happens, you're like, oh, that's well lush. I've got two free transfers so I can deal with this problem. Whereas other people taking hits, you know, pulling the wild card, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, I, th- I think it's very good to conserve your resources for when it's needed. And is, is a free transfer really needed this week? It's something for you to weigh up, obviously. But I think just kind of think about over management, think about holding your nerve, as hopefully the section has highlighted, um, are hopefully things to bear in mind for when you're making your final decisions um, out of uh, game week four. Okay, let's take a break of a nick and move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Oh yeah, that's me. All right, so we're back and we're going to talk about the features now. This is our uh, weekly staple of things that we speak about, basically. I've explained that incredibly well, but we'll continue. Uh, this includes the market forces, uh, over-30s team, uh, the Nick pick versus the Tom pick, the zombies, and dad watch uh, for the time being. Um, but we start off with the market forces. This is where we, led by Nick mostly, look over the moves and shakers in the transfer market and see what's going on. So Nick... What have you seen this week? Right, Tom La, it's a, a surprise, a surprise, because Pookie, of course, <laughs> is uh, number one most transferred in player uh, with over 400,000 transfers in so far. It's ridiculous. Everyone's on board. Everyone's jumping onto that party, making me really concerned now that I've got to think about this guy uh, myself. He had over one and a half million transfers in, actually, by the end of the game week last week. Ridiculous numbers. And another 400,000 jumping in on top and uh yeah obviously Timmy Pukki we talked about him a fair bit It'll come up in the questions as well but you know five goals and assists in three games um will he be able to keep it up the entire season don't know at this moment in time but a little bit concerning with a nice little fixture against West Ham up coming next but it's actually um in seconds another Norwich player who'd have ever thought this two Norwich players at the top of the market forces and of course it's a uh, it's Todd Cattle where um, and uh, he scored as well. He, he was my cover for Pookie and he delivered. But um, he's now got a goal and um, two assists to his name over the course of the season. Definitely looking like he's um, doing very well in that Norwich midfield, in that attacking role. And then look like a massive bargain as well, only 4.6 after the price rise. Uh, what do you think about Cantle, Todd, uh, Tom? Uh, <laughs> thinking about buying him in maybe? A little swap for Dendonka? Or, or are you holding your nerve, as you said? Um, I think I'm going to hold my nerve on this one for the time being, but I can see why people are having a cotch with Cantle. Um, that definitely kind of makes sense to me. Uh, just He's just so cheap, isn't he? Like, if you do want to kind of take down the 5.5 million punt that hasn't worked out and you want, and you want someone else to free up some funds, and that, that certainly makes sense. Um, elsewhere, I guess, in the risers, you've got likes of Mason Mount, um, who's scored, but looks like he may, uh, again, I think he's got a yellow flag. He's got a calf injury, uh, almost 200,000 transfers in. And uh, Tammy Abraham, again, uh, with the brace this week, weekend 120,000 transfers in and the, the following guys are taking a fishing trip uh, for some managers in order to fit in the, the guys who are being brought in so as I mentioned the likes of Marcus Rashford sold by over 100,000 managers at the time of recording and uh, Harry Kane after this evening's uh, blank uh, also being removed by almost 80,000 managers Nick. 
Yeah, it's the Chelsea boys, obviously, that are attracting the interest. The new Chelsea boys, new to their team, playing in a championship last season, but they're both uh, doing very well. I mean, Mount's got two goals to his name. Abraham got a brace as well. So a lot of um, owners attracted to those new Chelsea guys, see how they do. They've got Sheffield United up at home at next, so perhaps a decent fixture for them. And uh, and I know we don't like to talk about the stats this early, but Mount's actually um, joint for goal attempts in terms of uh, midfielders alongside Raheem Sterling. So certainly getting in attacking uh, positions at this moment in time. But yeah, as you said, in in the sales, um, Endon Bele, he's, he's the most transferred out player at the moment, 120,000 transfers out for him. Obviously, he's injured. Um, he appeared on the market forces on the other side just the other week after scoring and getting an assist in game week two, but now he's injured. So people selling. And Rashford, as I said, a little bit strange. Over 95,000 transfers out for him so far. He missed a penalty. Yes, we know. But he could have easily scored that penalty. The fact that he's even on penalty should be an attraction as opposed to the fact that he's missing them. A little bit of a surprise, um, to be honest, that he's being sold, especially with that Southampton fixture up next. And, and Kane as well. Blank against Newcastle. Away match against Arsenal. Up next, obviously, very expensive asset to carry. And a couple of blanks just means that people are now selling, unfortunately. Yep, certainly makes sense. And uh, your man, Josh King, um, also being sold by managers. Yep, 78,000. I guess a lot of people did uh, make the early swap to Pookie if they could afford it. Who knows? And uh, the final guys being brought in and out is uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Over 100,000 managers have brought him in after the mistaken assist uh, in the Bournemouth game and uh, robbed of another one, I think. But yeah, uh, pairing him with Raheem Sterling looks like a very, very good idea going forward uh, for Manchester City. They have, just to remind you again of these amazing fixtures, Bryson at home, Norwich away, Watford at home, Everton away, Wolves at home, Crystal Palace away, Villa at home and Southampton at home up until game week 11. That was a ridiculously good run of fixtures and I think having both of them at least is going to be uh, pretty damn good. Although the old man Cunaguero, um, because uh, Jesus is uh, injured now until after his national break, it could be a tidy buy. And at the other end, uh, being sold also alongside his Manchester United team maker, Beans Rashford, is uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Uh, a zero-pointer for him. Uh, means that he's been sold too. He was, I think, he was near the highest owned player at one point, uh, but now his ownership's gone down to thirty six percent after an, another poor game week, uh, another yellow card, and uh, yeah, zero points for him. So all those early fears about Man United defence and trying to cover them has uh, quickly evaporated, haven't they, Nick? Yeah, they have. It looks like obviously with the uh, the blank against Crystal Palace, there's got zero points, a lot of concerns. Um, now about uh, Manchester United and ability to keep clean sheets, they have Southampton away up next as well, so it seems a little bit fast to, to jump off that wagon quite yet. I think the other player I just wanted to mention is the sixth most transferred out player, and that's actually Raul Jimenez with over 67,000 transfers out at this moment in time. Of course, the, the match only actually finished a few hours ago, so I wonder if um, a lot of those transfers probably actually happened before he scored his goal that crushed all the um, dreams of those that had Nick Pope in goal. And uh, I think maybe it's, it's always an interesting one when you see a, a player that's scored and you know got points in, in the most transferred out category and I think probably it's because of some of these other players that we're seeing you know the likes of Pookie the likes of Tammy Abraham even the likes of um, Sebastian how they're getting a brace this game week um, means that people are jumping off the um, the Jimenez wagon he's certainly um, not done as well as perhaps as we would like to have hoped and I know you have um, Diego Yotta as well who's also one of the most transferred out players at this moment in time. Yeah, Jota, uh, a bit of disappointment, isn't it? He's uh, nailed on to do very, very well at the start of next season when everyone remembers how bad he's done the last two start of the seasons. But yeah, God, he's a bit of a dead weight in my team. But again, one I'm probably going to carry for the time being. I was surprised he got 90 minutes, though. He never plays 90 minutes. He normally plays about 60 or 70 minutes. But there we go. Um, all right, let's move on to the over 30s then. 
This is a team that Nick and I put together because we both hit 30 and wants to show there's some life in the old dogs yet. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, um, it, it, they hadn't started too well. Did all right this week. Uh, Captain Cunaguero came in with 26 points. Uh, behind him, David Silva assisting twice for a 10. And up front, you know, the strikers are very, very good. So Cunaguero is paired is a. I don't know, did you pair someone with those three of them? Is alongside, I suppose, um, Aubameyang, who got an assist, and uh, Jamie Vardy, who scored and got two bonus while Russ, uh, the Sheffield Wednesday boyhood fan, of course, celebrating in front of the Sheffield United fans. But apart from that, it wasn't that great. David Luiz and uh, Seamus Coleman at the back got zeros. Uh, Craig Cathcart, the Englishman, uh, got one point. Uh, that's a joke for people who, uh, who appreciate that. Uh, two points for Johnny Evans and uh, Lloris this evening got two. And yeah, it's not looking particularly good again. We were struggling for transfers in, but you may have picked up on one, Nick, who uh, did score this weekend, who we may be thinking about bringing in. Yeah, maybe we should uh, be bringing in Mark Noble um, for his penalty threat. Um, he was a man that was over 30 that did score in this game week, which is, seems to be a rare thing. Um, I don't remember it ever being this rare. Perhaps it's because I'm getting old that there aren't that many um, over 30 players actually in the Premier League. But yeah, Mark Noble um, scored perhaps um, an option to transfer in. Uh, with a, a match against Norwich, a very attacking team, there might be opportunities uh, for the likes of Antonio and Lanzini to get fouled in the box and Noble can step up and take a penalty, perhaps an opportunity for some points. I'm, I'm certainly reaching here, aren't I? Oh yeah, you definitely are. And speaking of reaching, let's talk about the Nick pick slash the Tom pick. So this week I beat you um, again uh, on the technicality almost. So Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who is your Nick pick as a, a, a cast iron clean sheet, I think he said, uh, got zero. And uh, my pick, Son Heung-Min, who I said would be top of the list if I was wildcarding and a player I was very excited about, got two. So yeah, not doing too well are we at the moment, but what's your Nick pick, which is the uh, very boring conservative guy who's going to get you some sort of return this week going to be? All right, so the the boring pick, the Nick pick this week is going to be Sergio Aguero, um, a player that hasn't really appeared on the FPL radar uh, much this season, frankly, because we all have Raheem Sterling and, we, and we've all got KDB. So how do we fit Aguero into our teams as well? But with the Gabriel uh, Jesus hamstring injury, Aguero looks like he's nailed on now in that forward role, uh, which definitely um, adds some appeal to him um, compared to that you know constant fear in the back of our mind that Raheem Sterling's going to be missing a game out or something like that. We always have this little concern of ours um, that Pep will give him a rest against these easy fixtures like the home match against Brighton that's coming up next. So um, Sergio Aguero is um, the Nick pick. He's just come off a brace against Bournemouth. He also scored a goal against Spurs um, and a goal against West Ham. He's, he's got four goals to his name and no one's talking about him. So uh, he, he's the man that I'm, I'm going to say is the Nick pick that's going to do well against um, a nice home match against Brighton. Um, definitely a differential in the FPL terms as well. No, that's a good one. I'll, I'll let you have that one. It's very, it's a bit exciting actually, Nick, for you. But yeah, we'll take that. On the other side, the Tom pick, which is a bit of a Hail Mary that you throw in just for lols, is uh, Felipe Anderson Pereira Gomez, otherwise known as Felipe Anderson. Um, he came back this week and got an assist against Watford. And uh, last season, nine goals, six assists in his first campaign. An integral player to how West Ham function. Uh, playing on the wing and switching between the crater and the uh, and someone who's trying to take chances. Uh, down 6.9 now, owned by uh, just under 5% of managers. Uh, with the prospects of an open game against Norwich up next, I think that he could be a very interesting one to keep 
an eye on. Like West Ham's fixtures in general actually are pretty good. And we'll talk about Halle a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, they only play Man United from top six up until game week 12. Um, so yeah, the Hammers may be one to keep an eye on, but that attack at least, not the defence. Right, let's move on to the Zombies then, Nick. And uh, yeah, this is our uh, update of our own shambling zombie teams. This is our no chips, no changes, no transfers league. I'll give you the league update shortly. But a big shout out before we go into the Zombie League to Alex Solomon, who has been combing through the Zombie League and identifying rule breakers and emailing me the names of those people. Uh, they'll all be removed. I'll make sure that my specified fan member boots them out. Nick, how did your zombies get on this week? Uh, so they, they did okay again. It was a sort of 54 points return. I think it's just every game week they seem to be doing slightly uh, worse than my main team, which is always a nice to see because you never want to see your zombies beat your main team, do you? But yeah, 54 points for them, which um, sort, of, sort of back average score I guess they've got hanging on in there now sort of OR of 660k Salah the captain 30 points massive um, part of that score because the rest of the team didn't do particularly well Aspilicueta got an assist KDB got an assist Madison got an assist but um, they were hamstrung by the um, the Rashford missed penalty and, and the continued lack of Vatonian which keeps meaning that Mason Greenwood keeps coming off the bench for a one pointer so uh, yeah it was okay for them I guess how about yourself yeah, similar to you, actually. All about that Salah captaincy. Uh, 30 points for him and uh, five points for De Bruyne. That was it. The rest of it was just appearance. Uh, back five of Ryan, Van Dijk, Laporte, Dean and Wambasaka. Nothing. Uh, Siggy, King, Wood, Nicholas Pepe, who was my punt. Nothing. Yeah, 49 points. They're kind of uh, in the millions, but I think I might be beating them now in the head-to-head, which is uh, obviously always a good thing. And turning our attention to the Zombie Leagues quickly, at the top of the Zombie League now, we've got a new front runner this week. It is The Essence of Prem by Mothball McIntyre. Yeah, well done to you. Uh, he had Salah, Pookie, Alair. Really? Did he actually choose these? That's great. Uh, Madison and Kevin De Bruyne, who all did the business for him this week. 74 points that guy got. Uh, that pushes uh, Munchen Gladbach, uh, Munchen Bloodbuff. I keep doing that. Brogan Douglas off the top, uh, his captaincy of Sterling uh, next to Salah. He also has Timmy Fuki. Um, and in third, nope, the third guy's made two transfers. He's definitely going. <laughs> in, for, in proper third, um, it's uh, Stranger Things uh, by Dodi Wijayanto, who got 60 points, Captain Salah again, Pookie and Sterling. So it seems like having Timu Pookie is probably the thing that's propelled a lot of people up to the top of the Zombie League for now. Interesting to see what happens after he uh, inevitably dries up uh, for a little while and um, probably... Yeah, probably that's coming soon. If it doesn't dry up, then these guys are going to be at the top for probably the, the, the duration of the season. Right, and the final thing this week is Dab Watch, Nick. Uh, if you wouldn't mind taking us away and letting us know how he's getting on. So we've introduced a, a new feature, a bit of an impromptu feature called Dad Watch. Um, my dad sort of giving FPL a proper go for the first time this season and uh, set up a team with him over the summer. And of course, over the first couple of game weeks, he did absolutely ridiculously well. We found him a sort of... 13th in the end in our mini league after game week two after getting a 92 points in game week one and a 76 points in game week two which is just uh, mental to be honest um you know reaching sort of heights that I've never even personally reached so he's, he's done um, I think it's about 3k or something um, at the end of game week two which is just mad we decided oh well let's uh, see how he does over the course of the season see if he can keep up this um, astonishingly um, brilliant start but yeah he's not had the best of um, game weeks pretty shocking start all in all seven from five at one point uh, not not particularly great um, but he 
he's um, on holiday at the moment, actually. So I sent him a text saying you've had a shocker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so we well. might need to do some surgery on that team uh, for next game week so he can pick it up again. Definitely crashing down to earth in terms of, sort of FPL um, performance and sort of experiencing what we're all used to in terms of the, the disappointment and horrendousness of um, a poor FPL week, which can sometimes be very punishing for us. But I finished um, with sort of 39 points in the end, which I guess sort of pulled it back a little bit with the um, uh, Raheem Sterling 16 points contributing a sort of a huge chunk. But yeah, he was, he was hit by a few um, poor performers, the likes of Rashford um, missing the penalty to get zero points, for instance, and Mane not getting any points, and then sort of Lewis Dunk having a goal chalked off because of VAR. So it's so not his luckiest week, to be fair. But yeah, I know he's planning a few transfers, so we'll have to see what happens next. Yeah, it sounds like he's definitely experiencing the ups and downs of FPL, but I'm guessing next week we'll be back in with those uh, two free transfers and maybe a mini wildcard, Nick. Let's see. All right, let's take a break there, Nick, and move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's um, time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist mini league. So if you want to join the league, the league code is EIKX03. And uh, yeah, so the league's still updating as usual when we do the poll, which makes it difficult to assess um, who's top and who's not. But it looks like at the moment it's um, Sydney Sydney with the Mirrors team. Um, it had a really good week um, this game week, uh, 67 points in total. And he's got an overall rank, it seems, at the moment of 33. So doing really well. Got the likes of Salo and Sterling. And Catwell also has Jordan Knight, who gets him nine points. So that's a really random differential pick there. But uh, paid off for him this game week, uh, particularly, it seems. So um, well done to Sydney. I think sort of making up the uh, the top three, we've also got uh, Jackson McGee and uh, Peter Kelly, both also having very good game weeks, around 67, 66 points each. So well done, guys. Um, all sort of within that sort of top 100 sort of area. So, yeah, fantastic work. Great starts for all the guys in the um, top 10, top 50 in the mini league. Yeah, well done, guys. And hopefully one of these days we're going to record on the day when the uh, the mini league updated. I know we haven't actually done a proper update this whole season, I don't think. Uh, but, so we will get around to that eventually. Um, just to say quickly that we are on uh, Love Sport Radio, as we mentioned most weeks, um, every every Friday around kind of 6.15 sort of time uh, with Johnny Burrows. And uh, normally uh, you and Thomas, but there have been a few kind of guests there recently. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want to check that out and just kind of hear us on the radio, which is quite a novelty, um, we alternate most weeks. I think it's Nick next week. Yeah, it's you next week. It's Nick's on this week. Um, have some banter with the host and just kind of give a uh, give a top level idea of what what to do this week. I think I spoke quite pooky pleasingly on last week. So uh, yeah, all good, all good. Uh, so if you want to hear that, Last Sport Radio six fifteen every Friday. All right, let's move on to the questions then. And the first question this week is on United. Um, so. We were expecting this week to be a how do I fit United assets in? Uh, instead, actually, what's happened is it's, it's become are they really worth it? Uh, Andy Penman asks, is it just a blip with United or are they just revealing their true colours and reversing to form? What do you think, Nick? How do you feel about United at the moment? Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not completely enamoured by them. Obviously, um, after sort of game week one with the 4 0 beating of Chelsea, we're all like, oh, United are back. They're, they're a force. They're back in our minds in terms of FPL assets. But I think the reality is they're not Manchester City. They're not Liverpool. You, you um, can't really compare them to those sort of guys. But but also their, their players are cheaper anyway. So I think you still have to consider them and, and how you fit these players into, the, into your squad. I've got Anthony Martial 
in now and um, he's um, he's got returns in every single game week as we said Rashford would have if he'd scored that penalty so you still have to think about these guys and consider them as um, valuable and decent FPO assets so sort of Ra- Marshall's in sort of 7.5 million price bracket within the midfielders you know he's, he's around that same price as the, the likes of Fraser and stuff so you know he's, he's relatively kindly priced and definitely one to, to consider in your teams. Um, in terms of the defence, so obviously they got a clean sheet in the first game week, unfortunately conceded against Crystal Palace, but again, close call that one. Um, I still think that the defence um, is a stronger unit than it was last year, and I think the signings of wan and Maguire mean that United will keep more clean sheets than the uh, ridiculously low number of seven that they kept the season before. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't write them off, especially with sort of a nice match against Southampton up next. I certainly wouldn't be considering sort of heavily selling like we saw, we've seen in the market forces, but perhaps it's not a buy. Perhaps it's not a case that we should be looking at doubling up or tripling up. I think, you know, probably one United's cover is probably sufficient for most of our teams at this moment in time. They aren't a team who are terrible. Let's, let's not kind of frame like a Huddersfield or something like that. And you know, last year, for example, they were in the top five for attempts overall and you know, in the top eight or nine uh, for uh, shots conceded overall. So they are going to keep you clean sheets and their attacking players, as we've seen, are capable of, of doing very, very well. Uh, the problem is, is that last year they only kept seven clean sheets. Normally you'd be expecting, you know, 13, 14, some order like that, remembering kind of the old Dave Saves days. As you mentioned, they are costed as they are costed for a reason. And that, that's a very good thing because it means that like with United players, you can jump on and jump off relatively easily. Like, obviously, the likes of Rashford may not quite fit a lot of uh, team setups at the moment. Uh, but players like, I don't know, uh, Alman Bissaka or Harry Maguire, 5.5, 5.6, like, that's probably an easy one to reach. If someone like Anthony Martial is a fairly easy one to reach. Um, uh, that's the beauty of them, really. Like When we do have good fixtures, I think um, we should be looking at them. But I think that for them, that they kind of fall into the if they're informed, then buy them in sort of thing. I mean, uh, by good fixtures, I mean uh, between game weeks 10 and 14 when they play Norwich, Bournemouth, Brighton, Sheffield United and Aston Villa. That's a very good run of fixtures for them. And actually, those coming up aren't that bad either, to be honest. They Arsenal in game week seven, but the next three are against teams that they should be expected to beat in Southampton, Leicester and West Ham. I don't know if they're reading their true selves. I don't know what their true self is under Oli. Um, I think that on their day, they're very, very attacking when Pogba fancies it, especially. They're, they're really, um, really an irresistible force. And they were just inches away, like millimetres away from, from that being a draw, from all of us jumping on Rashford and all of us thinking, oh, you know, we, we've got to get United attacking assets in. And if, you know, Jordan Ayew, the ultimate nothing player, hadn't bullied uh, Lindelof. Um, that's, a, as the Hindu monkey put it, a career-ending uh, statement that, that you were bullied by Jordan Ayew. And they kept a clean sheet there. Then we'd all be rushing for Man United assets. Like, it was a genuine surprise, wasn't it, when Crystal Palace scored? So I think that um, United are probably a team that we should take with a pinch of salt. I don't think we should be taking their players and thinking, oh, maybe apart from AWB or Maguire looking at their attacking players and thinking, oh, they're season keepers. But they are very likely to do well, I think, over the course of the season, just by the stats that I cited, really. So I think it was a bit of a blip against Palace. Palace do do that sort of thing, don't they? Like beat the big teams away, playing a very, very tight game and then doing it on the counter-attack. I think the IU goal was their first attack. So... There you go. I don't know whether I'm going to be rushing to buy them in now. I think I want to see kind of how it goes under Oli. Like he could very well win the sack race, I think. But their players are very exciting fundamentally. It's just a case of um, needing to see something more from them. But if Rashford had scored that penalty, then I I think that this conversation would be very different. So there you go. 
next one is what do you do if you're late to the pookie party is Ashley Barnes the answer? Uh, Kieran, Samantha, and Sean McCall, amongst others, asked, should I jump on the pookie wagon now? Or basically, is Ashley Barnes, a claret and blues, and shade in my gums, the new, new bandwagon here? So, Nick, as a man who, as you mentioned earlier, is in the queue for the pookie party, maybe looking for an entrance, uh, what do you think you're going to be doing? Uh, yeah, I think at the moment, the, the bouncer's charging me quite a lot of money, and I, I don't have enough of the pookie party, which is, which is a bit of a concern. So, I, I might have to, you know make some sacrifices in order to enter and uh, you know Ashley Barnes obviously um, you know, he's, he's doing very well isn't he as well uh, you know he, he is certainly knocking on the door but perhaps he's not knocking on the door this week when they've got Liverpool at home which obviously is a tough game but after that looking at Barnes's fixtures they've got Brighton, Norwich, Aston Villa, Everton, Leicester in the next five you know first three look you know fantastic you can definitely see Barnes picking up a few um, few returns there and he's um completely bossing his teammate as well Chris Wood who's, who's yet to score Ashley Barnes certainly looks like um, someone that we should be considering in IPL teams um, I'm not sure if he's going to he, he's he, I don't know if he's got that same sort of you know pull to, um, compared to Pookie I think Pookie's the one that I'm really interested in to be honest I think Barnes has to be talked about he definitely has to be in in the, in the um, conversation in terms of those forward lines and and it is, um, you know, you don't. It's not a choice. It's not a linear choice between one or the other. As I said, you know, some of our teams have these sort of top-heavy defender-heavy um, bases, and it's like, do we start to sell the defenders and buy the forwards? I still think it's a little bit early, and I think perhaps you know Barnes has had a great start. But we've seen other players in the past, you know, like Sveti and Kapu score week in week out at the start of the season, then just drop off at the end of the season. So it might not be that he can he can maintain this sort of you know performance over the course of season. I don't know. Yeah, no, I get what you mean, but actually Barnes has been doing it since last season as well. Um, he's, he's been doing very, very well um, since since kind of uh, midway through last season when uh, uh, when they started to recover a bit from their Europa League trials. Um, he's really been on it. Um, he's obviously got four goals this season. He's actually had more attempts than any other striker. And he's a combined uh, top for big chances with Rashford and Aguero for big chances. So uh, we can't really write him off. Obviously, there's that Liverpool game next, which I'd be looking at and thinking, hmm, not too sure I want that. But Ashley Barnes is the sort of player who seems to score against the top six and so there could be something in that and uh, yeah those fixtures that you cite from game week five aren't that bad at all are they um I think that that'll be the time when I'm looking at Ashley Barnes and looking at bringing him in um, probably for Jota um but I think for the immediate term maybe not um but for that Liverpool game uh, but after that I think it, he will be probably well, he will be almost definitely in my side because they only play Chelsea from the top six until game week 15 from game week five. So a very, very good stretch of fixtures there. The guy does look like he's in form. He's got a grime song named after him, for goodness sake. So you've got to be buying him in for that fact alone. So yeah, I think I won't be alone in taking a trip to Barnsley Island over the bridge um, and buying him in. I think if it's a case of Pookie or Barnes, like, I agree with what you're saying about it not being a binary, but like what I basically said to myself at the start of this year was that the obvious moves are obvious for a reason as we said on the preseason pod and I think that still held true with Pookie that I just thought right I've got a choice to buy him I could buy Barnes I could buy somebody else buy somebody else but I mean Pookie's that bandwagon at the moment that there always seems to be a bandwagon like Pookie at the start of the season and I just kind of felt well instead of being left behind and trying to have some sort of moral victory by getting getting some sort of indie pick just getting on to him like I know you can't quite do the swap without taking ones for it. I understand that um, but if you can make the straight swap and you're choosing between Pookie and Barnes I think you just choose Pookie personally just just to get him in and, and, and kind of get that one covered because the ownership has absolutely skyrocketed I think it was 3.7% on game week one 
now it's all the way up to almost 30%. That's becoming rank destroying if Pookie does something. Um, so yeah, I'd just be thinking, just jump on that wagon, get your money and uh, sell when he invariably does dry up. And if he doesn't, great, you own him anyway. Um, uh, just a kind of slight digression here, if you do have more money, um, is that FPL stagnant Alex Ball asked about Allaire at West Ham. Now, I really like Allaire because I looked at his prospects and prospects data, even though he did miss a, a little bit of the season. Like His numbers are absolutely great at the time he was on the field. And his XG in the last game uh, was 1.89, which is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, especially he didn't take a penalty either. It looked like he was getting in very, very good positions. And he's currently third overall for uh, XG among strikers and fourth overall for XGI among strikers. With a, a decent run of fixtures again for West Ham. They take on Norwich next week and then they've got Aston Villa, Man United, Bournemouth and Crystal Palace. If that front line, um, which we spoke about during the preseason a little bit in terms of four hours, Philippe Anderson, whichever one, Yarmolenko and Antonio is playing in Allaire, all managed to gel. And I think they've got a nice little attacking outfit there. And I think that, yeah, he at 7.4 million, I think it is now Allaire, um, could really do a job for you. Um, he'd be the one that I'd be looking at if you had Pookie already almost and you were looking to see what you could do with somebody else and if you had the extra money. I don't think Rashford's completely off the radar because he's missed a penalty, but yeah, 7.4, I think that could be quite good having Allaire. Um, what do you think about him, Nick? Have you had a look at him at all? Yeah, I think he certainly has to be in consideration. Um, obviously, I think the first couple of games still a little adapting to the um, the Premier League as well, but um, certainly uh, found his rhythm in, in that last game um, But when they played Watford. But Watford have been particularly poor um, so far this season, so I wouldn't necessarily say he can maintain across the course of the season. I mean, a couple of nice fixtures up next to West Ham, certainly worth considering in Norwich and Villa, but then they play, you know, United after that. So it's, it's, I think the fixtures are pretty decent, actually, to be honest, next five or six. So I think he, he has to be on the radar. I'd say that Tammy Abraham as well should be on the radar. I think after that performance, he's probably got that um, Chelsea forward um, slot nailed down. I'd, I'd probably see Giroud more of a, sort of Europa League, as you know, they're not in Europa League this year, are they? I probably see Giroud more of a sort of secondary, um, sort of substitute striker, sort of impact sub, with Tammy Abraham being given the nod. And then I think with Chelsea's fixtures as well, they're another team with some fantastic fixtures coming up. I think in the next 10, they only play Liverpool out of the sides in the top six. Um, I think Abraham's another one that um, certainly should be on our radars at only 7 million. So there's quite a few... Um, potential picks out there in that forward line as I said the sort of the preamble as well like sort of Wesley as well a few people um, own a few um, did well for them this week yeah exactly there's just so many players aren't there like so many horses in that particular steeplechase for value forwards that oh, I keep saying it more information is probably key if you have an obvious pick and you can make an obvious move make that obvious move would be my answer Cool. Let's move on to the next question, which is on uh, mid-high price mids. So we're kind of combining two together. Ben Pelling asked about Siggy and Krico MUFC asked about Bilva. But it's the same ballpark, really. What do we think about these midfielders around sort of a 7.9, 8.0 mark? And uh, what what would we advise these people to do with um, with that kind of player? Would you advise to move them on, keep the faith? Um, ben said that his faith is waning. What would you say? Well, yeah, I'm not surprised that people's faiths are waning. I mean, some of these mid-price midfielders, we, we talked about them again in the preseason, hyping them up a little bit, and they've not really delivered um, to our expectations. Obviously, that's a Perez, that's a Fraser, that's a Guilfi Sigerson. Still not got any attacking returns at all. And you look at some of the other options out there, and I think, you know, you've got to switch these guys up. I think it's, it's probably time to move some of these guys on if they're not performing. You know, you could save a few quid by getting in the likes of Mason Mount who is performing and doing very well or the likes of 
you know, even likes of McGinn and Todd Cantwell, a lot of these sort of players from the championship have really made the step up in the early preseason, haven't they? And, uh, you know, the likes of Bilver, I think he's, he's um, played the last couple of games, but I think not starting in the first game was certainly concerning, especially with sort of Riyad Mahrez knocking on the door, asking for game time. And um, I think as well with the uh, with Gilfie as well, he just looked um, lackadaisical. And um, just that's, you know, they, re- they performed really poorly against Aston Villa. And I know Everton have some... Sort of reasonable fixtures still coming up, but I, I'm not. I'm not sure about Gilfie at the moment. He he looks uh, sort of brilliant bargain for money last season. Ended up in the team of year, so a lot of people surprised after sort of performance after performance, sort of you know very subtle and off the radar. But so far, it's not worked out for him. And um, I, if I was an owner of Gilfie, I would probably be thinking about moving him on. Yeah, I think I'd be the same too. Like there are just so many players in in the kind of the cheaper brackets, the likes of McGinn, um, the likes of well Chabeos, sort of not quite, um, likes of Trossard, uh, likes of Harry Wilson, uh, performing fairly well um, in this. And as you mentioned, mentioned Mason Mount in that kind of six to six point five sort of bracket, and uh, it looks like having Kevin De Bruyne and Raheem Sterling is just going to be hygiene by which I mean everyone's going to have them so you should probably just have them to cover them and differentiate elsewhere like it's just such an awkward price point I mean I know that there's Anthony Martial there who looks like the pick of the bunch of that kind of seven point something Um, you've got of course Pulisic as well who could well come through as being a good pick but at this point I'd be kind of saying well Either take them down so you can afford to buy the likes of Kevin De Bruyne to pair with Sterling or try to get Kevin De Bruyne, basically. I just don't think that those players at the moment are providing you value for money. Although we are saying, of course, that you know, it is a small sample set and who knows, maybe Richarlison knocks in a brace against Wolves and it's both assisted by Siggy. It's probably the right thing to be keeping the faith for four game weeks or five game weeks. Like you say a lot of the time that I'm going to be buying this player in I'm going to just see how they do over five weeks so it might be worth kind of just holding them and seeing how they do but it does seem with the abundance of other options elsewhere at lower price points that if the decision to hold is to the detriment of your team then I'd be seriously considering getting rid of moving these sorts of guys on next question is on Kane the Kane drain um so Jonathan a depressed OKC fan and Dan Hardman asked what do we do with Kane now 11 million and dropping blanking against Newcastle at home playing the number 10 and also playing on the left wing for a lot of the time for some reason um Ericsson not brought on to the 70th minute Kane not really having a sniff um, and in his place Lucas Moore are missing sitters that Kane would no doubt have stuck away if you had Kane Nick what would you be saying he's got a good record in North London derby doesn't he yeah, he does. And, and obviously, it was another case of that as a penalty that perhaps he should have been given. It looked like a foul to me. Um, and if he um, had been given that penalty and he converted it, he'd probably be looking at a nine-point return for owners, 18 points for captainers. So I think, again, it's, it's very much a case of fine margin with Kane. But I think my concern with Kane, and I've said this before, is his price. And I just find him very expensive for what he offers I know uh, last season he was particularly expensive. This season they've dropped him in price, which um, puts him a little bit back on our radar, I guess. But when you've got so many sort of um, cheaper forwards, um, sort of stealing the show, you, you do look at Kane and you're thinking, actually, this, this is a considerable chunk of my budget that I'm sort of wasting on this guy. And it probably means that you don't have both Sterling and Salah or both Sterling and Mane as well. Or if you have all three, then you've made some considerable cutting of costs elsewhere. I think with Kane, obviously Arsenal up next, it's, it's, um, it's going to be a tough fixture, but it's, it's a fixture that Spurs always turn up for and put in a performance at least. And then after that, they've got a really nice run 
again, of you know, Palace, Leicester, Southampton, Brighton, Watford. So I think it, it very much depends on your team, your setup. As there's no definitive answer, I'm not going to say, oh yeah, you should definitely sell Kane or you should um, you should hold him. But I, I always view him as a quite an expensive and quite a risky asset. And uh, I think they're better premium um, assets out there in midfield. That's certainly the crux of it, isn't it? Like that penalty, there's no way that wasn't a penalty. <laughs> I've got no idea how they watched that back and thought, yeah, that's not a penalty. Like that was basically wrestling, wasn't it? Like Lascelles effectively rugby tackled him. <laughs> now that was not a penalty. Like I don't own Kane, but even I was yelling at the TV, that's got to be a penalty. What the hell is that? Well, I didn't say hell, but you probably know what I mean. They're absolutely mad. And all the Kane captains are going, oh, oh, that's a penalty. Oh, 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 pow. Oh, but yeah, no, it didn't quite work out, did it? Um, with Kane, I just—I've said to you many times. I think I think I mentioned it on the pod as well. I'm just not convinced by him. Like he's just not been the same player since he did his knee in for the second time. Like he's playing the literal number ten now, or he's on the wing, as I mentioned, and he seems to be kind of providing in Ericsson's absence, basically dropping deep and being Kane Rooney because he's just. Basically doing what Wayne Rooney did in the latter days when he was at United and becoming basically a midfielder. That's not what you want for 11 million. That's not what you want for a premium asset, is it? Uh, I don't know. I'm just not convinced. And I think that other players, and as you mentioned, uh, much better allocation of cash in terms of the premiums and much, much cheaper strikers are matching him or probably doing better than him at the moment. So, yeah, I, I just think that if a guy can't produce in a game like the game against Newcastle, then why do you own him, basically? Like, look again, you know, look at, um, obviously they're not the same as Man City, but, you know, Cuneguero is able to pull that out. Surely Kane, if he is a world-class player, is, is should be able to pull it out against an obstinate Newcastle side. Like, yeah, he's just not the same guy as the guy who we all signed and perma-captained a few years ago. Like, I just don't think he's the same player. Um, so, yeah, I'd just be thinking, well, if you can sell him on, that's a big load of budget suddenly saved. Um, moving on to Cuneguero actually might be a really good idea if you can find one million. Like, that would be probably a fairly easy transfer to do. And as mentioned earlier, that home match against Bryson is looking very, very juicy indeed. So maybe Kane to Kun um, might be a decent idea. Kane to Kun see. Right, and the final question this week is uh, from the, the notorious Aaron, um, who asked us which three players would be essential for us um, on wildcard if we were to pull it now. Actually, a fairly easy one for me, so I'll go first. It's my current midfield trio of Raheem Sterling, uh, Kevin De Bruyne and uh, Mo Salah. Um, easy, um, because those three, I think, are the three premium players who are worth owning at the moment. I don't know if you count Kevin De Bruyne as premium, but yeah, I, I think he probably is. Uh, what about you, Nick? Is it the same three for you? I think it's probably a very boring answer to to say the same three, but you know I do think that Sterling and KDB are the sort of essential Manchester City players to own. Now, I think Sergio Aguero, if you're looking to differentiate, if you're looking to catch up, I think he is certainly worth considering, especially now with that Gabriel Jesus injury. It'd be quite a good idea to jump on that couldn't bandwagon but yeah City has some great fixtures coming up next so um, certainly would be looking to double up on their attack if you could and yeah and then Liverpool as I say Mo Salah again and it sounds really boring always talking and harping on about Mo Salah but you know he, he is a brilliant asset he smashed it over the last couple of seasons top scorer over the last couple of seasons he's just a fantastic FPO asset and um, someone that I consider was um, essential 
Yeah, he's an absolute force of nature, isn't he? Tidy, right, let's move on to the uh, transfers and captains then, Nick. I guess for me, I'm captaining Raheem Sterling. We've talked about that Brighton game. I'm pretty much going to be perma-captaining Sterling for the next little while, basically. Maybe game week five, Newcastle at home for Liverpool, I might consider giving it to Salah. But yeah, I think I'm going to be keeping calm and putting it on Sterling, who's become kind of the Salah of old. Um, I think his floor is probably incredibly high, like Salah's was. Like He's probably going to get you seven or eight points. And as, as he said himself on Twitter, he can't get your hat-trick every week, FPL managers and I'm not going to be making any transfers I don't think there's lots of midweek action so I'll be keeping a close eye on that but if I can field 11 somehow then I'll do that um, as I mentioned earlier on I've got a bit of a dodgy 11th man um, with Kyle Walker-Peters perhaps injured um, I've got a, I've got a decent nine and um, then I've got Jota who I'm going to probably field against Everson hope he plays and then the 11th man spot is basically one of Mason Greenwood then Donker Balbuena or Carl Walker-Peters and at the moment I have Mason Greenwood on the pitch in a 3-4-3 hoping that Anthony Martial doesn't play because I'm guessing that means that uh, Greenwood does play we'll see yeah but I'm not going to make a transfer because my call nine is, is pretty good so I, I don't really see the point in making a transfer and I think it's better to have two free transfers for over the international break what about you? Yeah, so I mean, at the moment, I, I'm not really decided at all. So I'm not going to be giving any definitive answers this pod, unfortunately. But I think in terms of the captaincy, I, I'm actually tempted. I've got Raheem Sterling still, purely because he was my captain last week. But I'm actually tempted to go for the um, the Mo captain this game week away to Burnley. I'm think I just fancy it. I think he um, certainly has um, potential for goals in that game. Of course, Sterling does as well. But I only got one attacking Liverpool asset compared to two attacking Manchester City assets. So perhaps it's a case of hedging the bets. I don't know. But um, so, yeah, a bit 50-50 on the captain, unfortunately. So no definitive answer. Perhaps I'll decide on Friday evening. Um, And in terms of transfers, again, I put it out there on Twitter. And it thinks um, a lot of people actually think I should be getting rid of King for Pookie and joining the party and I am getting a little bit concerned about the ownership so I could potentially do another minus four and I didn't really want to do another minus four so it's a bit annoying um I, you know I considered the minus eight actually last week when I thought I can't do a minus eight and get Pookie in perhaps I should have now because now I'm I can't do a straight swap anymore of Pookie to King so it might be that I downgrade Robbo to Van Dyke still keeping the double Liverpool defence, but just um, having a little bit of um, extra surplus clash, which um, will allow me to do King's Pookie. So it might be a hit for me, which is a bit annoying, which really annoying, to be honest. But I yeah. feel like... Um, and the other thing is, like I said, do I want double Norwich attacks? I'm going to end up with double Norwich attack against Manchester City the week after. It seems a bit, you know, sort of buckling to peer pressure and ownership and stuff like that but um, this party is happening I missed out on the Jamie Vardy party that was one of my worst years in FPL um, history when I was actually playing properly so um, I don't really want to miss out on this this pookie party (laughs) any longer yeah, well, I won't lie to you, Nicola. I think it is definitely worth doing. I think with a player like that, it's the same as like Jimenez last year. Like we both lost out so much by basically ignoring him for quite a while. Like with with that sort of player, like ripping off the plaster and just just doing it. Um, I think you'll feel a lot better for it. Um, it's it's one of those which is quite tough to do, especially with that Man City game in two two weeks' time. I can see why you're kind of waiting on it, but. 
I mean, the guy scored against Liverpool, the guy scored against Chelsea, Norwich are a very attacking team. He's got the numbers and seems to have the conversion at the moment to to do well. I mean, there's obviously all that overperforming nonsense that's just going on, but the guy has been overperforming for quite a long time. Um, so uh, I, I really don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. Norwich is going to go for it in every game by the looks of it. And as we said on the preseason pod, it, their ethos seems to be we're going to score more than you. And they do seem likely to be able to do it. Maybe having two Norwich attackers is going to be a good thing. Who knows? It's the same as maybe having a Jota and Jimenez last season for Wolves, something like that. Just two players you'd never really have imagined, but are very, very cheap and provide value for money. So I'd probably do it if I were you, but uh, obviously up to you. Uh, I don't want to peer pressure you into doing anything, of course. And I much prefer having the pookie points to myself. So uh, yeah, maybe a reason why you shouldn't do it. Cool. All right. So next week, uh, we're going to be back with the brilliant Adam Hopcroft for our first kind of in-season guest um, of the season. And that is when we're going to start reversing to form, reversing to type, looking at the data a bit more. And there'll be four game weeks worth of data then. And uh, the title that we've got for that pod coming up is Tentative Trends. So we'll be looking at a few key talking points and uh, using the stats for the first time this year to try to understand maybe what the trends are so far and uh, and how we can apply them going forward to help us make decisions. Because we been kind of deliberately avoiding looking at stats these first three podcasts just to, because we just don't think it's enough look at that Lundstram thing um, but by game week four you at least have kind of a first sort of trend of home and away games so you're able to kind of see what's going on with a heavy layer of caveats and context applied of course yep sounds good and um, obviously there's a theme to every one of our pods last week it was Brooklyn 99 um, this theme this week's a bit closer to home for us so um, well done to anyone that got it and uh yeah um of course we are who got the assist you can see us on twitter at wgta underscore fpl or at wgt underscore nick and um listen and subscribe across the podding spectrum thanks so much for listening guys we'll be back with adam next week in the meantime i hope to assist you and we'll speak to you soon goodbye and nick's doing a, a vulcan salute but that means goodbye farewell oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Podcast Network.